on this episode of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. What will be discussed is the passages in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. What did Jesus mean when he was talking about separating the sheep from the goats? What was the context of those verses? That coming up next. What is Jesus trying to teach us in the whole matter regarding the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46? What I want to do so that we know what it is that he's particularly discussing is read those verses in their entirety. So it's a total of 16 verses starting with verse 31 and the chapter concludes with verse 46. All right. So here we go. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, and to eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Would imagine that his tone would be very um, indignant at this point. Verse 42 For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And did not minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So this is the whole thing between what we call the sheep and goat judgments. That's a very common phrase when we're making reference to these verses here in Matthew chapter 25. All right. So the first thing I want to do, and I want to establish 
with those of you who will take the time to listen to this uh, episode is that Jesus is by no means saying to his readers, to those whom he was talking to uh, then and those whom he's speaking to now through the scripture, he's not saying that a person works alone will grant them the kingdom or eternal life or the non-works of those will exclude them from the kingdom. That's not what this is talking about, because if that's what this is talking about, if that is what Jesus is making reference to, is that I'm going to save those who treat my brothers well, and I'm going to to condemn those who mistreat my brothers, then you are reducing salvation to that of a human work. All right. Salvation has always been justification by faith. In other words, a person trusts in the completed work of Jesus Christ for the salvation of their soul and the forgiveness of their sins. All right. So let's get that established from the get. All right. Remember what Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine uh, teaches. It says, for by grace through faith, we're saved and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast or brag or become conceited. All right. So anybody that's ever saved has gotten into the kingdom because God was gracious to them and they exercise their trust in him alone, not any works, not any human works that they could do to get into the kingdom of God. And that is the deception the master deception by the enemy on the world. They think that if they do enough philanthropic works, humanitarian good deeds, that that will grant them access to heaven. No, it will not. Even though those things are humanly laudable and they're praiseworthy and they should be acknowledged, but it is not, you can't use that as a pretext to get into the kingdom of God. Because if that's the case, then Jesus didn't tell the truth in John chapter 14, verse six, when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes into the father, but by me. Amen. So it is absolutely essentially important that I establish that truth. No man comes to the father or comes to the son except they believe. And Jesus himself said it in John chapter six, verses 44 and 65. He says, no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And he says it again in 65, he reiterates the same reality. He says, no man can come to me except it be granted to him by the father. So it talks about the inability of man All right. So salvation has not changed. And this is not a secondary component of saving faith or getting people into heaven is by treating Jesus's brothers with kindness. This is what Jesus is talking about here. So as a point of reference in time, Jesus 
when he comes back to establish his kingdom, he's going to separate all people on the earth at that time. All right. Now, just so that we're that, that I'm clear, it's not making reference to all saints It's making reference, I believe, to those who survive the seven year period of tribulation. Now, if you have any understanding of end times, then you understand that there's going to be great tragedy on the earth. The likes of none the world has ever seen before or, or will ever see again. This will be God's wrath, but there will be people, millions of people, I would imagine that will survive the wrath of God. And so those that survive the wrath of God, Jesus is going to meet with them when he establishes his kingdom in Jerusalem. You know, when he will sit on the throne of his father, David, and he will do a, a separation. Those who have done well, he will place them on his right side, which is the position in the side of honor. And those who are, who have not done well, who will be condemned will be on the left side. And those, those are represented by the goats. Those on the right are represented by being classified as sheep. All right. And so for the sheep, he's going to say, inherit the kingdom of God that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And then those on the left, he would say, depart from me, curse into everlasting fire because they mistreated the uh, children of God. Now, here's another question that needs to be answered. Who are the brethren? Who are the brothers that Jesus is making reference to? Different commentators have different views. Some say that it's making reference specifically to Jews during the tribulation period. That is a possible answer. That might be right. And then there are those that say that it's making reference to, it could be Jews and Gentiles. All right. And that's a different view from a, you know, from, from a different commentator. All right. But what is not talking about is not talking about needy people in general. All right. It's important that I also make that clear. It's not just talking about any type of needy person, any type of person that's hungry or is thirsty or is naked or is in prison or is sick. It's not talking about anybody in general. It's talking about Jesus's brothers, Jesus's brethren. But but, you know, there could be a debate as to who that is, like I just mentioned, it could be making reference just to ethnic Israelites, Hebrews, Jews, or it could just be making, it could be making reference to Jews and Gentiles, but all those who belong to the sun. And based on how these individuals are treated determines who will inherit the kingdom and who will be excluded from the kingdom when Jesus comes back to judge uh, the nations. And when he's talking about judging the nations, I mean, it's it's just an amalgamation of different people from all different ethnic groups. No matter who they are, he's going to do a separation. He's going to do a, a distinction between the two. Those who are righteous will inherit the kingdom. They will enjoy the millennial kingdom. Those who are cursed, which means they're not blessed, obviously, they will inherit 
damnation and it will be eternal. So it's eternal either way, either eternal life or eternal judgment. There's no in between. You get one or the other. And those who are righteous prove that they're righteous by the works that they do. But the, as someone has said, correctly said, their deeds are the fruit, but not the root of their salvation. I hope you understand that. In other words, those who truly know the Lord, those who are truly saved will produce good works. They, we've been placed on this or in this earth realm to do that. All right. But that is not the root cause of them inheriting the kingdom of God. You don't get saved because you gave some a thirsty person a drink of water. You don't get saved because you've clothed those who are naked. You don't get saved because you have fed the hungry. Because if that's the case, then salvation is based on what you have done and not based on what Christ did for you on the cross some 2000 years ago. You get what I'm saying? It's very important that you understand that. And so I'm convinced that what Jesus is making reference to is the Abrahamic covenant. This is why I say that. So what I'm going to do is go back to Genesis chapter 12 and you'll see what God said to the progenitor, the ancestor of the Hebrew race. Genesis chapter 12, starting with verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, this was before his name was changed to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Listen to this, so that you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And just to let you know, a person that's blessed, it means that they are fortunate. They are to be envied. They are benefited by someone or something. To be blessed is to be, in essence, in the graces of God. To be cursed is to be judged and to be condemned by God. The exact opposite, right? So, Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 was strictly in concert with the Abrahamic covenant. So, and and it's simple simple as that. Those who treated his brothers well were blessed. They inherited the kingdom. I'll go back and read it again just so that you can can reference it for your own edification. Matthew chapter 25. We'll go back there just a moment. We'll look at I think it is verse 34 it says then the king will say to those on his right and this represents the sheep okay come you are it says come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world once again like God told Abraham those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. So obviously the goats, they cursed the people of God. They cursed Jesus's brothers. And so in essence, they were doing it to him. He took that personal. And so 
if you're cursing God, that means you are an enemy of God and therefore you are going to be judged and be forever separated from God who you have made your enemy. All right. So. And another another reason I wanted to point this out is that there is a thing called a social gospel. There is a doctrine called a social gospel. And unfortunately, there are churches that will put the social gospel above the evangelical or the biblical gospel, whereby it is very, very important and, and is commanded by God that we take care of those who are in need, that are, that are destitute, that are hungry, that are naked, that are in prison and that are sick. We are we are to regard them. We're supposed to comfort them any way we can. We are to minister to them. That means we are to serve them. And I don't do that nowhere to the degree that I should, but that is by no means, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, hear me clearly, that is not going to save you or going to condemn you. Like I said, the outflow of a person's salvation is that we do those good things, but we don't do those things to get saved. Hear me. We do not do good works to get saved. We do or perform good works because of our salvation, because we are saved. That's why we perform good works. If you try to put the cart before the horse, in other words, you say, I'm going to do good works so I can get saved, then you are backwards because that means you're trying to earn your salvation. And if you can earn it, then grace is thrown out the window. That means God owes you a debt. In other words, God, I did this for you, so you have to in turn do this for me. No, it's the other way around. God did everything for us, so we have to in turn reciprocate that love by serving him wholeheartedly with our whole lives. So once again, good works is the root or rather the fruit of salvation, but not the root. It's the fruit. It's the outflow. We do good deeds because of our salvation. We don't do good deeds to obtain salvation. Because if that's the case, then salvation is by works and not by grace through faith. So so for those of you who maybe believe in a social gospel above a biblical gospel, you have to change your mindset and you have to change it right away because you're not going to get saved based on what you do because our works, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, it says they're like filthy rags. And that word filthy, not to gross anybody out, gross anybody out, that word filthy is where we get the term uh, menstrual cloth. So, (laughs) you know how that is. So, it's important and essential that we understand where Jesus was coming from. All right. Based on how his brethren were treated, we determine if someone got into the kingdom of God or not, if a person entered into the kingdom of God, it means that they were already saved. Because remember what he said here in this verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom. Listen to this prepared past tense for you from the foundation of the world. In other words, before the world was formed, God had already determined that he was going to give an innumerable amount of people the kingdom. And because he had prepared the way beforehand, he was going to make sure they needed, they had everything they needed to receive salvation. And he was going to power them by his Holy Spirit so they would perform good works. 
they would glorify him in the earth. And then at the end of their lives, when Jesus came to establish his earthly kingdom, God, knowing all things, seeing all deeds, good and bad, would say, okay, you've, you've done what you were supposed to do. Now inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you. You know, you're going to enter into the joy of your Lord. Praise God. Now, to those who mistreated the people of God, whether these just be ethnic Jews or whether these be Jews or Gentiles alike, in other words, they belong to Jesus and they're they're in a bad way. In this earth, there, there are people who love God, who serve him, but they're destitute. They're poor. They're in prison. They're, they're naked. They're thirsty. They're hungry. And based on how they're treated or mistreated will determine whether a person is going to be blessed forever or going to be cursed forever. In essence, each individual chooses. So let this serve as as a revelation and as a warning. And that's why it's very important how we treat one another and how we treat Israel. All right. So that's all I wanted to say in regards to this. Brother Dale of Gospel Repentance Ministries, God bless you and I'll talk to you soon.